0: Hi, everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins pod show. I am thrilled that you found me, but more importantly, I'm thrilled that you found Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. As we journey together, we will unleash discoveries of how to turn a heart of stone into one moldable clay for the potter to transform. I hope that you'll consider joining me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. Periodically, friends, we'll delve into my mailbag and answer questions from listeners just like you. So if you have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Well, welcome back, everybody. Yesterday, we discussed Paul's views on joy and suffering. And if you're like me, you may have been surprised to learn that it really is possible to maintain our joy and suffer simultaneously. Jesus provides us with a peace that is unexplainable and yet not tangible. For me, it seems to be akin to faith. Faith. You and me know that we have it, and yet we can't see it. We can actively praise Jesus and demonstrate our faith in action, yet we can't see our faith. Although knowing that we place our faith in Jesus is what matters ultimately. It's the same thing with joy. Our joy comes to us as a free gift from Jesus, and it doesn't matter that we're not able to see it or to experience it. Yesterday, we asked the question, how can we obtain joy when we struggle to be happy from hour to hour? And the conclusion was that happiness is circumstantial while joy is not. Because Jesus expressed humility and lived a self-sacrificial life, he ultimately gave believers the free gift of saving grace through eternal life because of his finished work at the cross of Calvary. And like Jesus, we too are commanded to live in harmony and in peace among each other. And as believers, we each have an eternal power supply in the form of the Holy Spirit. When we unite for common causes and God backs us, we are truly unstoppable were transformed into the supernatural. And one of the impressive quality traits seen in Paul was that he cared so much for the people of his day. We see immediately his opening is expressed in Philippians with thanksgiving and prayer for the people he was writing to. He wanted to make a difference in their lives. He wanted to be a history maker, a difference maker. He went on to say that he always made his request us in prayer with a heart full of joy. And this is a key takeaway. We too can offer up our prayers to heaven with hearts full of joy. And Jesus responds to our sincerity, not our perfection. So ask yourself, do my efforts at being kind and pleasant uplift others enough that when they think of us that they're willing to offer up prayers of thanksgiving? Well, Paul was both selfless and yet fearless at the same time. It was the good news gospel that caused him to be imprisoned, yet he saw it as an opportunity to spread the gospel even further. He was attached to a Roman guard that shifted every four hours round the clock, giving him new opportunities to preach to whomever was chained to him. And sometimes God says, whatever it takes to further my message of hope. For the people. God understands that we are temporary sojourners here on earth, and this life is passing by quickly in light of our eternal destinies. On the surface, what happened to Paul was a miscarriage of justice, but our God works all things for good to those who believe in him. And our main scripture verse from Philippians, Among Suffering, was found in chapter 1, verse 28, where Paul exhorted, don't be intimidated by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they're going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. And in the book of Acts, chapter 5, verse 41, Luke said the apostles left the high council rejoicing, so here they had joy, that God had counted them worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. And the religious elite had warned both John and Peter many times not to preach the good news, yet they didn't listen in spite of the threats that had been made and levied against them. They were the first apostles. To be beaten and thrown into jail for preaching the good news. And yet they saw persecution and suffering as a blessing from Christ. They rejoiced in knowing that Jesus had also suffered beyond extreme persecution and death for mankind. They praised God that they too were able to share in what Jesus suffered. And this is why Jesus said, To count it all worthy that we may suffer. For a little while. No one willingly wants to suffer, but if the cause is great enough, then we need to be self sacrificing like Jesus if we are to be truly obedient to Christianity. Our four-minute mile example, Roger Bannister, suffered when the British newspapers constantly ridiculed him for going in on his own, so to speak, with efforts around coaching or lack thereof. And boy, did he prove them wrong. And finally, we explored four areas that suffering did for a believer. We learned to take our eyes off of worldly comforts. Secondly, half-hearted believers are weeded out of Christianity through suffering. Third, faith is strengthened through endurance. And finally, others witness our suffering as an example And this leads us right into joy in serving. There is one ultimate servant of joy, and it's none other than Jesus. While ministers are considered servants who shepherd their flocks, none come even close to Jesus. He was always connected to his Father while upon earth. And Paul tells us that the secret to his success through a series of questions that he asks us. Allow me to explain. First, he says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Is there any comfort from Jesus's love? And what about fellowship together in the spirit? And then finally, his question becomes, are your hearts tender and sympathetic? And Paul implores you and me to work together with one heart and one purpose or goal. This is how to serve with joy. This is the ultimate answer. We unify as believers in Christ through humility. We don't live with the air of what they think about us. Instead, we live for what Jesus can do through our hands and our feet in joyful service for him. And because we have the mind of Christ, we've adopted his same attitudes. This genuine humility is needed to build the church. Selfishness divides and tears down the church. We hear it often, be humble, but how do we carry this action out? Our humility is seated in who we are in Christ. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Our own strength and power comes in our abilities through Christ. And one way Jesus modeled this for us was in his ability to put others' needs ahead of his own consistently. And Jesus humbled himself, becoming a servant for man. He did not come to be served, but rather to serve. He did not cling on to his rights as God. He gave up his rights so that he could be obedient to the Father and serve others. He never gave up his deity, but he did set aside his rights and power to serve others. Both joy and love should cause us to want to willingly serve others. Our motivation should not be guilt or fear-based. And we learn in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus says, For even I, the Son of Man, came here not to be served, but to serve others and to give myself as a ransom for many. And Jesus' words provide us with his entire motive for his ministry and the basis for salvation. A ransom was the price to release a slave. Jesus says he paid our ransom with his life because we could not pay it ourselves. His death is what released us from slavery to sin. We all entered into the world honorably, But we all entered in as sinners because we live in a fallen world, but we've been saved by God's grace. Jesus of Nazareth was subject to constraints such as time, place, and many other human limitations. But what made his humanity so unique was that he was and remained free of sin for his entire earthly life by keeping in submission to his Father's will. In this humanity, Jesus showed us God's character, and it's through Jesus that we learn who the Father is. If we're going to understand how we too can find joy in serving, we need to familiarize ourselves with the nature and work of Jesus. And in the book of Isaiah, the Suffering Servant Song paints this depiction for us. Sometimes our faith must carry us through our struggle in understanding. We may not fully appreciate the mystery, but it doesn't make it any less true simply because we can't fully understand it. We learn that Jesus has always existed with God. Jesus is equal to God because he is God and although Jesus is God, he came to fulfill God's plan for salvation for all people. Jesus became fully human to identify with our sins and Jesus voluntarily put aside his rights out of love for the Father. Jesus died on the cross for our sins so that we would not have to face eternal death. Instead, we would have eternal salvation. And God glorified Jesus because of his obedience. And finally, God raised Jesus to his original position at the right hand of the Father, where he reigns forever. And think about this dichotomy for a moment. Jesus was the perfect man, and yet his death by crucifixion on a cross was the most shameful death he could have experienced. I would argue he went to the cross in a spirit of joy, while simultaneously asking the Father to take this cup from him if it were his will. In his perfect deity, his mission was clear. He would serve mankind by becoming a living sacrifice. Jesus' name is above every other name, and Paul says that at the name of Jesus, Every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul tells us that God is working in us, giving us the desire to obey Him and the power to do what pleases Him. This should help us in those times where we don't feel like obeying. And that sounds really awful, really selfish, but the human experience is one where sometimes our flesh supersedes our spirit. And at this point, we're usually getting spiritually attacked at the same time that our flesh is busy rebelling. Perhaps we're tired, hungry, maybe even lonely. These are times when we're most susceptible to these attacks within our mind. But the great news is that God wants to link arms with us and come alongside us, helping to strengthen us and encourage us. God helps us by giving us the desire to obey him. Then he gives us the power to do so. And sometimes we find ourselves on our own. Our Christian spiritual leaders are just not around, nor available, and this may be divine design. God is using this possibly as a growth opportunity for his flock to look deep within ourselves, causing us to turn our eyes upon Jesus in heaven. We have all we need in Jesus. We must only continually seek him out. It's up to us to search him and grab a hold of him. Just like the woman did with the bleeding disorder, we must also hold a conviction deep within our heart that if we can grab a hold of the hem of his garment, we will receive the miracle healing too. And in Matthew chapter 9, verses 20 through 22, it teaches us that a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him. She touched the fringe of his robe, for she thought, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. And Jesus turned around and said to her, Daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was healed at that moment. My prayer is that whoever hears or reads of this miracle, you too will have full access to experience the touch of Jesus. He is our master physician, the one whom wonders never cease. And Paul told Jesus' followers to shine brightly. He said in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, Dearest friends, you were always so careful to follow my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, you must be even more careful to put into action God's saving work in your lives, obeying God with deep reverence and fear we need to be especially careful to obey Jesus now that he's not with us to remind us of what is right. However, he has imparted the Holy Spirit onto us, making it easier to obey him. And we learn from Luke chapter 10 verses 38 through 42 that Martha had welcomed Jesus and his disciples into her home. Lazarus was a friend of Jesus, and these were his two sisters, Mary and Martha. They both loved Jesus dearly, and yet they both had their own ideas of how to serve Jesus. Neither of them was blatantly wrong, but one way was just better— Martha was seen as self-righteous in her approach to service and she thought that Mary's way of serving Jesus was inferior to her own. What Martha failed to realize was that in her desire to serve Jesus, she was caught up in all the details and was really neglecting him. She was in hostess mode versus showing him true hospitality. And Mary was content sitting at the feet of Jesus, hanging on to Every word he spoke, she knew he was the bread of life, the living water. So we must make sure that we don't neglect being with Jesus rather than doing things for Jesus. We must watch that our serving does not become self-serving. While Jesus didn't blame Martha for being concerned about her household chores, he was only asking her to set priorities instead of being busy with work we're to be devoted to God. I hope that you've enjoyed today's pod show, The Joy in Serving, and will consider joining me back tomorrow is we explore the joy in believing. And you know, folks, we talk oftentimes about having an intimate, personal relationship with God's son, Jesus, and spending eternity in heaven. So if that's what you want and you haven't invited Jesus into your heart, I would invite you to pray this prayer now. Just say, God, I missed the mark. I'm turning away from my sins. Come into my heart. I believe in your son's shed blood for all who acknowledge he took on the sins of humanity, past, present, and future at the cross of Calvary. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer salvation, I believe you were spiritually born again. Your next steps are to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you. Allow me to be the first to congratulate you on the most important decision that you have ever made. Congratulations and God bless you. And friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Ones pod show will be available most days during the week. A special children's pod show airs on Wednesdays when we're not in the middle of a series. So tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories that you grew up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus' unlimited power in our present-day lives. We delve into many topics such as forgiveness, love in action, biblical wisdom, and what the Word of God says about trust, and many more. I hope that you'll come alongside me as we explore the Bible together. And if you like this pod show, make sure to hit like and subscribe to ensure that you get the latest episodes as they become available. And why don't you be a blessing to someone else today by sharing this link with them. And much of today's pod show is referenced from my book, The Grace and Peace of God, Love Wins. If you found the content inspiring, you may want to consider reading it in its entirety. You can easily pick it up from my website. That's pampastorcopywriting.com, Amazon. Barnes and Noble or And if you're unable to afford a copy, write to me and I'll find a way to get a free copy into your hands. You won't be disappointed. It's full of God's word. And friends, until next time, be blessed and remember you've been marked and sealed with the cross of Jesus forever. And Revelation shares the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Until next time, friends, God bless you.